Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter number 21 of The Outdoor Girls at Ocean View. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christina Doherty. The Outdoor Girls at Ocean View by Laura Lee Hope. On the Schooner. Betty Nelson was an unusually muscular girl. She and her outdoor chums had not lived so much in the open air for nothing and taken long tramps and regular physical exercise. They had played basketball, tennis, and golf, and though their arms looked pretty in evening dresses, there were muscles beneath those same beautifully tanned skins. For a moment, Betty was so surprised at the suddenness of the attack that she could do nothing. She had had but a momentary glimpse of the face of the old crone, and only for that she might have thought it was the boys who had stolen up behind her and Amy and had put their hands over their eyes to make them guess who had thus blinded them. But in an instant, Betty knew this was no friendly game. And so, as soon as she realized that, she began to struggle and to some good purpose. She managed to pull from her mouth the horrible, fishy-smelling hand of the old woman and then Betty screamed as she endeavored to loosen the grip the old crone had on her arms. Help! Help! screamed Betty. Let me go! How dare you! What does this mean? Amy, where are you? For Betty could not, for the moment, see her chum. But poor Amy was not as muscular as Betty, nor did she have the advantage of battling against a woman for a man had caught her and held her in a cruel grip. Help, help, Betty cried again, struggling desperately. Be quiet, be quiet, my little dear, little imp, hissed the old woman, for Betty had struck her in the face. Be quiet or I'll, can't you stop her screams, roughly demanded the man. She'll have someone buzzing down on us if you don't. Clap a stopper on her, or I'll... You must be quiet, my dear, hissed the old crone, struggling to infuse some measure of conciliation in her cracked voice. Be quiet, or I'll not. Let me go. How dare you? Help! Help! screamed Betty. But even as she called, she realized how hopeless it was, for she saw no one in sight, 
and the thunder of the surf would not permit her cries to carry far. She tried to get a sight of Amy, but could not. Let me, let me, panted Betty. And then, though she struggled with all her might, making the old woman pant and hiss to overcome her, Betty found herself being gradually exhausted. Again, that horrid hand stole over her mouth, making her feel ill and effectually shutting off her cries. Quick, panted the old woman. I can't hold her much longer. You'll have to tie her or something. I'll do something, all right, said the man significantly. He was having little trouble with poor Amy, who had yielded like some broken flower. I'll just tie this one up and then take care of her, the fellow went on. Betty had a glimpse of his dark and brutal face, and she shuddered. It was bad enough to have him touch Amy, and bad enough for the old fishwife to clasp Betty in her horrid arms. But Betty thought she surely would die if that man approached her. She tried to speak, to say that she would not scream again if they would only tell what they wanted. Take her purse and its contents, but only let her alone. But she could only mutter a meaningless jumble of sounds with that fishy hand over her mouth, pressing cruelly on her lips. Can you carry her and keep her from screaming? asked the man, who had pulled some cords from his pocket and was quickly tying Amy's hands. Then he fastened a rag over her mouth, and poor Amy, who came out of a half faint, was too late to add her voice to Betty's. Carry her? No, she'll struggle like a cat, muttered the old woman. You'll have to help. Help? Haven't I got my hands full, he demanded. Where are some of the others? They ought to be back by now. They knew this chance might come any time. They have been lying in wait for us, thought Betty. It was one of the many ideas that raced through her brain at express train speed. That is why this old woman wanted us to come to her hut. There's someone now, exclaimed the man, leaning up from having put a cord around Amy's ankles as she lay on a sand hill. If it isn't someone she's brought by her yells, snarled the fishwife. No, it's Jake, thank goodness, muttered the man, as a rough-looking specimen, the counterpart of himself, peered around a dune. Get busy here, Jake, and truss up that other cat, the first man ordered. All right, Pete, was the answer. Got any rope? Here's some, and the one addressed as Pete kicked over some net cord toward the newcomer. Meanwhile, Betty had desisted from her struggle to get loose. She was strong and wiry, but the old crone was more than a match for the little captain. The fisherman's wife seemed to know how to handle struggling persons, for she held Betty in a peculiar grip that was most effective. Bend and strain as Betty might, she could not break away, and that hand was still held over her mouth, preventing any further outcry. Just a minute now, Mag, and I'll have her safe, went on Jake, as, with practiced hands, he whipped several coils of cord around Betty's wrists and ankles. Stop! Stop! she implored, 
as the woman's hand was taken from her mouth for a second. It was poor Betty's last chance to appeal, for an instant later, a fold of ill-smelling cloth was put over her lips, and she was effectually gagged. Tears of shame, rage, and fear came into her eyes. Now you can carry her without any trouble, announced Jake, rising. Take him up to the shack, ordered Pete. Then tell the others to get the boat ready. Betty wondered what that meant. Were they to be kidnapped? She tried to look at Amy, but could not see her just then. A moment later, she felt herself being lifted up between the two men. It was useless to struggle. Amy was much lighter than Betty and was hoisted up to the shoulder of the old crone, who seemed wonderfully strong. Take a look out, Mag, and see if anyone's in sight before we make a dash for the shack, directed Pete. Her screams may have been heard. She yelled like a banshee. The fishwife, carrying the limp figure of Amy, peered beyond the line of sand dunes. No one in sight, she muttered, beckoning the others to advance. But what gets me is where the other two are, growled Pete, who, with Jake, was carrying Betty. There's four of them, and they've always been together ever since they come down here. Where are the other two? That's what I'd like to know. Betty shuddered as she thought of Molly and Grace sleeping in the little clump of trees. Suppose these horrid men should go back there and find them. It was horrible to contemplate. Well, you've got half of them. That ought to be enough for what you want, said Jake, hoarsely chuckling. Betty was puzzling her brains, trying to think why she and Amy had been thus captured. What object had the old fisherman, and two, why had the old crone been so eager to get them to her hut? Betty could only guess. Her head ached. She felt really ill and could not doubt but that poor Amy was in like condition. A few seconds later, they were both carried into the hut and set in rickety chairs. Their bonds were not removed and the door was closed and locked. Amy looked over at Betty and the latter could see that her chum's eyes were filled with tears. Then suddenly, Amy seemed to collapse. She slipped from the chair to the floor. Now what's up, roughly demanded Pete. I wish I'd never gone into this girl business anyhow. It's so uncertain. What's happened? And he looked at the limp form of Amy on the floor. Betty tried to rise, but sank back dizzily. The room seemed to become suddenly dark. She feared she would topple over as Amy had done. It's only a faint, the poor dear, chuckled the old woman. I'll attend to her. You go out and get the boat ready, she told the two men. Betty's brain became clearer. There was no longer blackness before her eyes. Here, drink this, said the woman, raising Amy by her shoulders and holding a glass of water to her lips. The gag had been removed. Amy drank and a little color came into her face. Where, where am I? What happened? She faltered. Nothing, dearie, said the hoarse voice of the crone. You'll be all right soon. 
You're just going to stay with me a little while. You and your friend. You won't suffer a bit of harm if you tell us what we want to know. You'll be well taken care of. Betty began to see a light now. She wished the gag might be taken from her lips and water given her. But the old woman was busy with Amy. The girl closed her eyes again and seemed too weak to cry out, even though the rag was not again bound across her lips. There sounded voices outside the cabin and a knock on the door. Drat em, muttered the old woman. A body would need four hands to attend to all that's to be done. She laid Amy back on the floor and hobbled across the room to unbar the door. Betty was frantically struggling to loosen the bonds that held her hands behind her back. The boat's ready, gruffly said Jake, as he and Pete were admitted to the shack. That's good, muttered the old crone. We can take care of them easier when we get them out of here. We don't care if they do yell then. Wait until I tie up this one's mouth. She may rouse up enough to make a racket. Poor, half-senseless Amy was again gagged. Betty had given up trying to loosen her bonds. Those men knew how to tie knots. And then, as before, Betty was carried down to the shore and placed in a boat. Amy was brought down on the shoulders of the old woman, who also got in the boat with the captured girls. Now row out, she ordered the man. They were on the bayside where there was no surf, so the boat was easily pushed out. The men leaped in and began pulling on the long oars. Betty could see them heading for the mysterious schooner, and a little later, she and Amy were lifted on board that vessel. Up anchor, came the command from someone, and an instant later, the vessel was in motion. Poor Betty wished she could do as Amy had done and faint. End of chapter 21, read by Christina Doherty, March 31st, 2022.